In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Cleanse my heart and my lips, Almighty God, that I may proclaim your gospel worthily. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus began to make it clear to his disciples that he was destined to go to Jerusalem and suffer grievously at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes to be put to death and to be raised up on the third day. Then, taking him aside, Peter started to remonstrate with him. Heaven preserve you, Lord, he said. This must not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an obstacle in my path, because the way you think is not God's way, but man's. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wants to be a follower of mine, let him renounce himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For anyone who wants to save his life will lose it. But anyone who loses his life for my sake will find it. What then will a man gain if he wins the whole world and ruins his life? Or what has a man to offer in exchange for his life? For the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of his Father with his angels. And when he does, he will reward each one according to his behavior. The Gospel of the Lord Those who know me well would have heard me sing a parody of that famous song immortalized by Josh Groban, You Raise Me Up. In my twisted version, the first line goes like this, You raise me up and then you slam me down. Now, this sounds much like what the Lord does to St. Peter in today's Gospel. Last week, our Lord gave Simon a new name, Peter the Rock, on which he promised to build his new temple, the church, and which will stand as a lasting and formidable bastion against the gates of the underworld. No greater honour could be paid to any of the apostles. That was his high point. But this week, our Lord drastically changes his tune and utters one of the meanest put-downs and aims it like a knife at Peter. Peter's fortune is reversed. In last week's passage, he is raised up to the highest heavens, and in this week's episode, he is cast down from the heights like Satan. St. Peter is now the agent of Satan, the stumbling block to those who might come to profess the same faith. This unexpected transformation from building block to stumbling block, from an instrument to an obstacle, from a lieutenant of Christ to an adversary, comes quickly, so quickly in fact, that the two passages occur back to back in one continuous narrative. What brought about this reversal of fortune for Peter? Having been identified as a Messiah, the Lord in today's passage begins to spell out how he is planning to accomplish his work of salvation. The nature of his mission would entail suffering, rejection and death. It was clear to the apostles that Jesus was the Messiah. The notion that he was the suffering Messiah was much harder to digest. It required frequent repetition from the Lord to make real to their minds the thought that he had to suffer and be killed. 
It is no wonder that St. Peter, who had just confessed that our Lord was the long-awaited Messiah, now pleads with him to seize his madness. Heaven preserve you, Lord, or God forbids, this must not happen to you. The disciple who is meant to listen to the Master now seeks to command the teacher. St. Peter found the cross offensive because he could not bear the thought that the Messiah from whom he expected national deliverance should be killed. What Peter failed to realize is that the death of Christ was necessary, as the text tells us that he was destined to go to Jerusalem. The words destined to go imply a constraint, an imperative, a divine necessity. His death had been planned and willed by God through all eternity. The prophets have predicted it, and he must fulfill it. Pope St. Paul VI wrote, In a mysterious way, Christ himself accepts death on the cross in order to eradicate from man's heart the sins of self-sufficiency and to manifest to the Father a complete filial obedience. By willingly accepting death, the Lord carries the cross of all human beings and becomes a source of salvation for the whole of humanity. Peter couldn't quite get it. None of the disciples could at this stage. Our Lord's reaction to Peter's attempt to give him guidance was as sharp as it was instantaneous. He turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an obstacle in my path because the way you think is not God's way but man's. The Lord notes that unlike last week's passage, where our Lord affirms that Peter's confession of faith was revealed by the Father, the source of this week's statement was from Peter himself. What's worse is that this human opinion was being used by the devil to tempt the Lord to turn his back on the cross, to choose safety and honour over suffering and sacrifice. This was the nature of the three temptations which Satan used on our Lord in the wilderness before he began his public ministry. Satan had returned to tempt our Lord in the person of Peter. Of course our Lord will have none of it, because he knew that glory comes only after sacrifice. As one of my seminary formators once told a group of us, if you are not on the way, you are in the way. This dramatic exchange between our Lord and Peter would have been accentuated by the stunning backdrop. The town is Caesarea Philippi, a town built and named by it an heir of Herod the Great in honour of great Caesar, and yet Philip the Tetra arrogantly attaches his name to the title, Caesarea Philippi, Philip's city of Caesar. The vassal seeks to rule his liege. The arrogance of Philip, a minor ruler, is pretty rich. Similarly, Peter, in remonstrating with the Lord, seeks to lord over him. Instead of renouncing himself and follow the Lord's lead, Simon Peter seeks to have the Lord follow his instructions and lead. You find this parallel coincidental. Consider now the geographical location. Caesarea Philippi is in the foothills of Mount Hermon in a region currently known as the Golden Heights, previously Syrian, and then occupied and annexed by Israel after a series of wars. But what was most imposing about this region and the city 
is the enormous rocky outcrop on which the city is built. At the foot of this rock was a natural spring, which was considered to be a sacred shrine dedicated to the god Pan, who had the appearance of a satyr, a half-goat and half-man creature, almost demon-like. So the words of our Lord spoken here take on another level of meaning when one has a view of the surroundings where he spoke. The rock on which he would build his church would no longer be this geological rocky formation, but a man, a seemingly weak one at that, Simon Peter. And when he subsequently called out Simon Peter as Satan, our Lord would not have been referring to the demon-like pagan god Pan, but the very same man whom he had named Rock just a few minutes earlier. The passage ends with our Lord spelling out what a disciple of his must do. The fate of the master must now be the fate of the disciple, for this is what it means to follow Christ. If anyone wants to be a follower of mine, let him renounce himself, take up his cross and follow me. You see, the cross was not only for Jesus, it is ours too. The cross of Christ means your death and my death. In the midst of the many voices clamoring for our time, our money, our allegiance and our attention, we are called to choose the cross. We are called to choose Christ to the complete dispossession of all else. In this call to authentic discipleship, Christ challenges our most precious loyalties as there can be no other gods before the God of Israel. There can be no other loves before Christ. The life you long for, the changes you want, come only through the cross. There is no other way. If you lift at the cross, the cross will take care of the rest. This is the great challenge for each of us. The Curadas, St. John Vianney, leaves us with this wonderful wisdom. On the way of the cross, you see, my children, only the first step is painful. Our greatest cross is the fear of crosses. We have not the courage to carry our cross, and we are very much mistaken. For whatever we do, the cross holds us tight. We cannot escape from it. What then have we to lose? Why not love our crosses and make use of them to take us to heaven? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.